Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiology and sports nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Hey, Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm an editor, uh, journalist. Used to be at Muscle International. Used to compete in bodybuilding and uh, have done so in in uh, powerlifting. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a competitive powerlifter, strength coach, run Strength Guild, and LifterHope.org. And university lecturer. Yeah. <laughs> An in-demand male model. Yeah, that is true. Always. Yeah, always. Hey, um, we have a bunch of news here. I've been owing listeners some green coffee news for a while, and I know Rob's got some news, and Phil has some sort of uh, social media types of news. So let's get to that first. Strength and muscle sport news. Um, so- green coffee. What I want to show uh, here is a couple things. First of all, why green coffee? What's special about green coffee? Well, there was a nice um, uh, sort of a meta-analysis, right? So this is a study of other studies. And these are valuable, of course, because they systematically can look at many, many subjects and see what on average do do we know, you know, from the science about things like green coffee. This first one is by uh, a gentleman by the last name, I think it's a gentleman, uh, Onak Poya uh, and colleagues. This is a uh, gastroenterology research and practice. It's a 2011 paper, actually, but um, it says the use of green coffee extract is a weight loss supplement, a systematic review and meta-analysis. Um, a couple of points they make here. Green coffee extract is present in green or raw coffee. It's also in roasted coffee, but the more you roast it, the more you destroy some of these uh, active ingredients, which are called chlorogenic acids. Okay, so um, chlorogenic acid, or sometimes abbreviated um, CGA. Uh, anyway, um, it, it's also in a couple of different fruits and vegetables. It says the daily intake of CGA in persons drinking coffee varies from half a gram to a gram per day. So if what I'm about to tell you interests you, that's a reasonable uh, dose from a, a supplement, for example, half a gram to a gram. Uh, it says in human subjects, coffee intake has been reported to be inversely associated with weight gain. Um, I can tell you also with uh, diabetes. Um, and some of these chlorogenic acids are one of the hundreds of substances that could be playing a role. Um, it, indeed, it says in consumption of coffee has shown to reduce certain glycemic markers. In other words, how much the carbohydrates and blood glucose gum up. Um, you know, the works in your body, uh, hemoglobin in your red blood cells, other tissues. Um, it says it's been postulated to also modify hormone secretion because your glucose tolerance is better. Uh, if muscle tissue is about 70% of where blood sugar should go to make glycogen, then it seems like a good idea. If something improves your uh, glucose tolerance, you put the sugars and the carbs you eat in your muscles where they belong. Um, and it says this effect is accomplished, and I did not know this, this effect is accomplished by facilitating the absorption of glucose from the distal, in other words, the far, 
rather than the proximal or near part of the gastrointestinal tract. Um, let's cut to the chase. Uh, the meta-analytic result reveals a significant difference in body weight for the green coffee extracts compared to placebo. And again, this is a study of other studies. So uh, the mean difference is 2.47 kilograms. So, you know, you know, six pounds, five, six pounds. The magnitude of the effect is moderate, it says, uh, and there is significant heterogeneity among the studies. So they're all not in exact agreement. Um, it is concluded that results from trials are promising, but that studies um, are of poor methodological quality. And, you know, Rob, you and I have talked about that before on air that, you know, Researchers are human beings, and if they work for a particular company, maybe they're a little looser with the way they control this, you know, or yes. on the flip side, maybe, you know, you get somebody who's very against dietary supplements, and they're purposely trying to make it look bad. Um, you know, so yeah. anyway, it says the methods are in question as of right now. More rigorous trials are needed. Now, having said that, um, there is a newer paper that came out in 2012, and I'll, this is also promising, though. It says... Um, Randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled, linear-dose crossover study. I can't believe that's all in the title. Uh, to evaluate the efficacy and safety of green coffee bean extract in overweight subjects. Now, these people are carrying extra fat. Um, I will point out, first off, although I think it's funny they have to put all that in the title, a placebo-controlled crossover study is a very strong design. So what they did was over a 22-week period, they gave people either a high dose, which is um, 1,050 milligrams, or a low dose, which is 700 milligrams, of green coffee uh, extract or a placebo. They gave it in six-week blocks, and then they did a two-week washout in between to make sure there wasn't any you know, sort of lingering effects. Uh, here's what they found. Significant reductions were observed in body weight. Uh, in this case, uh, eight kilogram, eight plus or minus two uh, kilogram losses um, also declines in body mass index and percent fat now it doesn't say here and I'm not going to dig any further about how they measured percent fat but in only six weeks to show a 4.4% decrease in percent fat that's pretty remarkable a lot of lab equipment is not really going to detect changes very well unless you do at least like an 8, 10 or 12 week study um, so if each one of these dosing periods was only six weeks that's pretty remarkable. So I hope they use DEXA or something very sensitive because skin folds, I think we all know, they're probably not going to show much um, you know, over such a brief period. But anyway, it says there's also a small decrease in heart rate of about two to three beats per minute. Uh, the results are consistent with human and animal studies and a meta-analysis, which I just read all you guys, mm -hmm. uh, on the efficacy of green coffee extract for weight loss. So... There it is. That's from Diabetes, Metabolic Syndrome, Obesity, 2012. And that's Vinson, V-I-N-S-O-N, and colleagues from mm. Scranton, PA. I thought it was interesting. That's a chemistry department working with a psych department working with a group from India. Uh, so, uh, And you do absorb it. I did a little bit of other digging, too. You, you do absorb significant amounts. And, uh, yeah, it looks like probably because it helps you with sugar tolerance. So if you're, um, you think you're a bad carb metabolizer... Um, you know, you get more of these chlorogenic acids from the green unroasted coffee than you do from the roasted coffee. So there may indeed be something to it. I know Starbucks is selling it and all that sort of thing, and uh, and you'll you could find supplements. So half a gram to a day. Wonder what the caffeine levels like too, because I know like your darker coffees that are roasted longer have less caffeine, even though they taste richer. 
Yes. They supposedly have less caffeine. So yep, I wonder that's if the exact, green... Yep, that's my understanding, too. <clears throat> I wonder if the green is just loaded with caffeine. Then. It's a good point. I mean, like I said, there's hundreds of these, uh, you know, phytochemicals in coffee. Yeah. yeah. But there's almost no question that it helps reduce diabetes, and this kind of goes along those same lines, right? I mean, why are Americans fatter and fatter? It's partly because... You know, we live in this very refined carb sugar environment, and we don't move anymore. If we moved a lot, it might not be a problem. <laughs> What's funny about that is I'm sitting here munching out a bag of Nella wafers as you talk about it. <laughs> but you move a lot, see? Yes, exactly. You move a lot. <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, so, um, Rob, you had uh, something about uh, steroids in the news. Well, just the whole thing with the, uh, I believe he's from South Africa, uh, Oscar Pistorius. He's the uh, gentleman from the last Olympics that. Uh, what is he, one legged or something like that? He no, runs... he's got no. He was born with no uh, lower legs. Oh, okay, and, and he uses those kind of like. Uh, Blades, yeah. Yeah, to, to run with men. Again, I'm, I'm only mildly um, knowledgeable about who this guy is, but of course, in the news for the past weeks, a few weeks has been that this guy is. Um, Apparently shot to death his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a model, Reba Steenkamp or something. Um, anyway, the, the headline reads: Experts agree that steroids could have made Oscar Pistorius more aggressive, but it's far fetched to think roid rage led to murder of Reba Steenkamp. And apparently, after the murder, there was a search of his home or something like that. They found a stash of they said steroids, so, so you're assuming anabolic steroids, and they're just talking about how. You know the conjecture about whether or not that that led to you know roid rage led to you know him him killing her. Of course, his defense is I think something that like he thought she was an intruder or something like that. Um, yeah. And again, I could have my facts wrong. I apologize. I apologize if I do. But it's just it's just interesting because it, you know it's 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 more. But I'm glad the piece actually says that most experts agree that you know although it could have made him more aggressive, you know it. it most likely didn't lead to him actually murdering somebody. Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> because, he, I mean, that's the last thing we need is just more of that kind of nonsense, you know, yeah. that somebody was using, using anabolic steroids and, you know, uh, all of a sudden they got homicidal and went and shot somebody. I mean, yeah, right. Just, now, Rob, was that his, that wasn't part of his defense, or was it? Was was he saying steroids maybe do it, or no? As I, again, as I understand it, and I'm, again, I'm not too closer, you know, uh, Fully aware of the details, but as I understand it, no, they just had this, this, this search of his home or something, found a stash of steroids. I don't think okay. he's using it as any sort of defense because, again, and somebody let us know if I if I got my facts wrong, but I think he's still saying that that he thought she was an intruder and didn't know it was her. So I don't know, but hmm. yeah, just 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 more. I, I mean, even the fact. I mean, so although it's good. You know, that they're bringing up the whole concept of, you know, that they're kind of in this, at least in this piece, they're saying that, you know, most quote unquote experts agree that, you know, most likely didn't lead to him actually committing a homicide. Um, it is still kind of, it gets old after a while that it's even brought up. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. You know, because I mean, you know, whether or not they found the steroids in his, in his possession, I mean, if you want to use, if, if, if the media catches on to that and wants to make that, you know, a, Point of reference that he's, you know, that he was in, you know, using maybe a banned substances or something in his sporting career. That's one thing. But to, again, the whole idea to link it. I mean, the, people see it, the media seems to, even when when they present it this way, they still seem to want to link it some way just so right. they can make a, make a headline yeah. out of it. You Bring know, it like, up. The, yeah. Millions of people would be dropping dead if that was the case. You know, there'd be <laughs> there are a lot of users out there, and 
you know, even the science says most of them are recreational. Right. Mm-hmm. In you fact, know. Phil, what what I was going to point out was along those same lines. A lot of this information about you know anabolic steroids in the news, uh, I hear about. In fact, this piece was partly through that route. Uh, Rick Collins, uh, who's a lawyer mm-hmm. and he's very closely tied with the uh, International Society of Sports Nutrition, and he's always making posts on their boards and. You know, I'll, I'll get updates from that. So he's very interested, of course. You know, being on the show, he talked about that. I think it was one of our actually better shows. It was very interesting mm. what he had to say. So he's yeah. very, he's always watching the media about this misinformation. And yeah, he's quick to point out what you just said, Phil, which is, oh. you know, recreational use is so widespread. Why even bring that up? Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not condoning it. I'm not yeah. condemning it. I'm just saying, you know, it's so widespread. Like yeah. Rob said, it's curious that they need to even bring it up. Yeah. yeah. So, and yeah. knowing the media, I mean, it could be a freaking corticosteroid or he's got a freaking infection or something. You know, that's true. You know? It's probably well, and that's, known. Yeah, and that's why I originally said that, you know, that the, at least in this thing, there was no, you know, specific mention of it being, you know, anabolic steroids yeah. in, in any sort of performance enhancing way. Because, cause, uh, you know, as everybody knows, I mean, this, the, the word steroid could relate to a whole, I mean, yeah. Lonnie can go into this, but, you know, yes. a whole myriad of, of, of you know, hormonal compounds that, that have nothing necessarily to do with, you know, what an athlete might want to use to aid his performance. Yeah. Okay, before Jim talk, Phil, you had something, some uh, social media news, right? Oh, yeah. I ended up going on a big rant yesterday on social media. I had several coaches actually email me and thank me for doing it. But, um, you know, I just finally grew tired of, there's this image going around, and there's been several versions of it, and it's, you know, the latest one, and they're all kind of like this, is it's the big title at the top says running versus lifting. And uh, and then below it, there's, you know, the last one I saw before this was, this is what running does to your body, this is what CrossFit does to your body, which one would you rather be? And, um, you know, this latest one is some, some gal lifting a barbell over her head, and then the marathon runner on the left, and, and it says exercise should build your body, not deteriorate it. And, uh, you know, all these people going around posting, now, oh, yeah, yeah, look at this, this is what it, and it's it's... The part that pisses, pisses me off is, uh, you know, they post it usually, like with the, with the CrossFit case, it was just some average girl that goes to CrossFit. And then on the left is Paula Radcliffe, who is arguably the best ever living marathon runner ever. You know, she's not a runner. She's a, she's an athlete. You know, it's not like she's going out for the, the, the occasional run every once in a while. Um, she holds the world record. She's won the gold numerous times and the silver and the bronze and this and that. Um, so of course her, her body fits what her sport is, you know, it'd just be like a power lifter. You know, we're not going to be a small person in general. And it's just the the way they twist this and put it out there is, you know, if you run, you're going to look like this. No, if you dedicate your life to being the best marathon runner in the world, yeah, you're going to look like that, you know, but there's a total difference. And it's just, it's, it's just a way these people use it to, Kind of skew and get people to do believe in what they believe, and it's I'm just, it's just sad. I'm looking at the picture right now, and I'll tell you what. I mean, it's fair to say that what we value in strength sports is not illustrated by this woman. You know, no. she has low muscle mass. Well, she yeah. doesn't want to carry dead weight. No, right? I yeah, mean, and that's the or, thing. Or she's got lots of mitochondria. We can't see those. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that make her aerobic athlete. Her heart function is superior. We can't see that. Yeah. Um, so most of the things about a runner, in fact, I used to joke with 
aerobic athletes when I was in graduate school because during that time, strength conditioning was not nearly as widespread as it is now. And they'd make fun of my VO2 max. And, you know, I've talked about this before. Um, but I'd say, you know what? Nobody can see your VO2 max. You know, yeah. I don't care about yeah. that. You can't see that. You know, as a bodybuilder, yeah. I don't, you know, I, this is like a visual art form and you can't see yeah. left ventricular volume. You can't see mitochondrial or capillary density in your periphery, mm-hmm. you know. So but I get what you're saying. Inside, this woman is a machine. Oh, yeah. You know? And she's taken things to its pinnacle. And if you do anything, and that's my argument, if you do anything to its pinnacle, it's not to build your body. You know, what I'm doing is not to make me healthy. <laughs> you know, well, and, and yeah, it's and, just not. And we, we've and that's about, the place she's taken it to. Yeah, we've um, talked about this so much about how the average people have no, they 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 can't define make make any sort of difference between what is an athlete, and what is yeah. a person that goes to the gym. That's why I always say, like you know, uh, and it's kind of a loose thing to say, and I, I don't, I certainly don't mean it in some sort of uh, condescending way, but. You know, exercisers work out, athletes train. Yeah. And one's not better than the other. No. It's and just it's that's... just that people really don't seem to get the difference. And you know, like they'll see the way I train or maybe something like Phil or something like that, and they'll think, well, why would you do that? Like, where's your six-pack t- six going to come from? Mm-hmm. You know, why aren't you shaping your legs? Like, I, you know, it's just, you know, you're building your body in, so it's just... It, 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 I like the fact that you bring this up, uh, Phil, also for the fact that it shows that we here at Iron Radio are, are not so stuck in our way of thinking that we can't see also the, the you know, the effort that other athletes in oh, com- completely the, different course. domains put into their sport. Like, here's this woman that you're saying, and again, I don't know anything about her, and, you know, and but um, s- certainly what you say is very impressive for what you, uh, her accomplishments within her her chosen field. And, and to use that picture, and, and I sometimes, well, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if, the people who if, who made that kind of poster, if they're even aware of who she was, or if and maybe they were and they still didn't kind of grasp the concept of what I'm saying about seeing somebody for an athlete versus yeah. somebody who's just working out to be healthy or to look better in a pair of jeans or what have you. And that's the problem I have is the most people slewing this thing out there are, and the most people agreeing with it are generally people they're 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 half-assed coaches and sideline sitters who never have the, the gumption to actually get up and commit and try to be the best at something. <laughs> you know, it's easy to sit on the sidelines and talk crap on something. And, and you know, Paulette, I guarantee you, if we went and talked to her about how she looks, what she does has nothing to do with that. You know, her body looks how it does because she is training to be the best marathon runner in the world. You know what, you guys, I think the key here is, you know, we just don't want to be a hypocrite. Many times... Uh, mostly you two guys will say, you know, listen, you think, you know, oh, powerlifters are fat. You know, you think we yeah. like to be this heavy to put on that little <laughs> yeah. extra pounds to pull, the, you know, to get the leverage on the bar? But it's the same thing here, right? Just it, we, we would be hypocrites to make excuses for why powerlifters sometimes need to carry extra body fat or even a lot of extra body fat. Yeah. And then to look at her and say, you have no body fat. Yeah, you know, both of these are prices of the sports, like exactly. you said, you know, at the, at and, the elite level. And that's what you know. I had a few asinine comments. Normally, I, I try not to. I try. I'll say I'll, I try not to uh, <laughs> to get these rants going on. But sometimes my fire gets fired up, and you know, I got a comment like this one. Um, 
With regard to the weights versus cardio argument, no one cares how far you can run if you can't do a pull-up. And no one cares what your max squat is or how big your arms are if you can't walk up a flight of stairs without being out of breath. Fitness is about compromise. Going to one extreme is not as impressive as being a jack-of-all-trades. I That just floors me. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's, Where was that from? Some guy posted that under my article. Mm. And it's like, that's somebody who's never, you know... Well, first of all, that's a very that, that's just a, subje- a subjective yeah. view. Well, I it's mean, champion of mediocrity. Well, I don't understand champ- exactly, and that's what I said. I said, you know, I said I, I'll argue the opposite with you, you know, because I've lived it. I've been okay at everything, and it's far harder to try and be the top at one thing. I mean, and you know, I went on and posted. I said, sure, Usain Bolt, Paula Radcliffe, Benedict Magnuson, Andy Bolt, Ed Cohn, and Michael Jordan make being the best at one thing look real easy, but believe me, it's freaking hard. You know, they all dedicate their life to it. And I don't want to be, like you were just saying, Lonnie, I mean, it. daily life is hard at 280-plus pounds. Yeah. But yeah. I do that because it my life in the gym, putting a squat bar on my back and doing pulling 700-plus deadlifts is easy. You know? Well, you <laughs> so, know what? Let me, let me just say something here. As I'm looking at this, it's just cherry-picked. Now, before I say this, oh, I'm going to qualify this by saying... Yes, the woman I'm looking at on the left, this this marathon athlete, I'm not digging on that look at all. No. <laughs> you know, okay, so I I understand our value system. Exactly. You know, let's face it, we, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing uh, if we weren't a little bit more lenient on the body fat or, you know, or we like the fact that we might be so muscled that it's a little awkward at times yeah. or, you yeah. know, and this lady is the opposite of all these. Exactly. You know, but let me, let me tell you one thing I, I guess my issue with this is it's cherry picked. Like it says long-term effects of running. Hmm. It says it talks about scar tissue, cortisol, inflammation, and joint problems. You could say the same things about straight strength training. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just yeah. say it, you know, just say it. <laughs> so exactly. uh, cherry picked. That's all I'm saying. Careful. Well, exactly. I, mean, because... I even go on and admit that in my article. You know, sure, Paula is. I wouldn't look at her and say, "Wow, she is hot." <laughs> but I can look at her and say, "She's the best freaking marathon runner in the world," and I'm not. I'm not going to attempt to beat her. <laughs> well, it's just like you're saying, looking at some of these super heavyweight powerlifters. You know, yeah. most most average women would look at that and say, "Okay, I'm not into that look either." Mm-hmm. You know, but like you say, it's like, you know, I mean, and that that might be a, a side like like for in her case, she might. You know, on that side, be like, well, it's unfortunate, yeah. you know, that maybe what I do and what I strive to be is not, you know, doesn't well, doesn't answer to the ideal of what I might want to be as a, you know, a, 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 a quote unquote attractive female. But you know, you can say, but that's not sexist because you could say the same thing for the other side for the super heavyweight powerlifter. Oh yeah. You know, and so it, again, as we we always bring up on this show, it's about priorities, right? I mean. Ideally, it would be wonderful to be, you know, the, the world champion super heavyweight powerlifter, you know, and have a body that's, you know, like a Greek Adonis, 100, you know, yeah. 185 pounds with, you know, delineated freaking abs and serratus yeah. popping out like chiclets and, you know, and, and it have, you know, that, you know, quote, lean face. I mean, that, that would be great. Yeah. But, but. You, make, you make your choices. You exactly. Know? And, and she's made her choice. And quite honestly, from my vantage point, I have nothing but praise for that because exactly. There's because, a thousand pretty faces out there. There's one best marathon runner ever. Good, good point. <laughs> you know? Good point. Yeah. Good point. No, yeah. it, it's true. And again, we would be. I just to be fair, because I appreciate the person putting that up, saying, "Oh, you know, I don't really value this." 
really me me either as far as you know like you were talking about the attractiveness or uh yeah. or the things that I'm after personally Yes. But, you know, I could also tell you I I would be hard-pressed to run a mile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, ta- that's not what bothers me. It's the way they skew the crap. And like you said, the stuff under it. It's they, they it's cherry-picked. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yep. it's total BS. Well, I'll tell know. you, I remember once I was uh, hi- hyped up Camelback. Anybody who's around the Phoenix area, they know, you know, you get to the top of there. I, this is the time I was like um, early grad school. I was very heavily built. And my legs were just veiny. They were huge. You know, I mean, that was a time my legs were almost as big as my waist. And I was near the top, and I hear this girl say, gross. And I'm like, I look up, and she's talking to her husband. She says, I'm so glad, or her boyfriend, I'm so glad you don't have legs like that. And I mean, I was just kind of gloating because, you know, (laughs) I'm not there to be one of these male models with their real skinny legs and, you know, their, you know, Maybe they're a little bit in their, they have a little chest or arms or something, but nothing else. And so I'm just kind of reveling in it. You know what I mean? But clearly this was not something she valued, but yeah. I valued it extremely, even though they didn't like it. You know, so yeah. it's, it's, it's a, exactly. you can't be a hypocrite. That's all. But it's, it's also, just, goes, it's also the bigger picture of a, in our society. And, I, and, you know, you see the trends moving towards, you know, people being very self-centered and they, and, oh. you know, I've read different things on people saying it has a lot to do with the social media and stuff. And, you know, things like updating your status on these different social pages and stuff. So people, you know, young people especially kind of come up with this idea that, you know, everything that they are is everything that matters in the world and nothing else does, you know. And so it's this the whole thing where, you know, what people value. Well, yeah, what you value might not be valued at all by the guy next <laughs> to you. And, and, that, you know, and you know what? That's the way it is. You know, yeah. it, it's just it's it, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, I value my my heavy metal CD collection. Yeah. You know, to a lot of people, there'd be nothing but just excess plastic that fills landfills if I ever die. Rob, well, like, I, if I can add this, Sagan, um, I don't know if it's in Pale Blue Dot or um, one of his books. He says, uh, when you get out into the big world, how ruefully you acknowledge how provincial your opinions were, you know, how provincial your thoughts were. Everybody thinks their little neck of the woods, woods their little province is how mm-hmm. things are, you know, yeah. until they get out and expose themselves to other people. And like you're saying, I think uh, you get a lot of people, they might be, here comes the old guy rant, sorry, um, you know, 19 years old and you're, you're running with a certain group of guys and you're all lifters. You know, you got to just try to grow beyond that and, you know, get out and expose yourself to other groups. You know what I mean? Because you're acting very provincially. You're acting from a very small place. Yeah, because you know, you know what? Sure. No matter how big or strong you are, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you're picking up some freaking, you know, Frosted Flakes, nobody gives a shit. Nope. Nobody nope. gives a shit. <laughs> you know, nobody cares. Yeah. And, and you know <laughs> what? Get him, Fortress. should care. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, outside of people just being polite to you and 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 respecting you for what it is that means something to you, it doesn't matter. No, you know, because ultimately, what what does that mean? I mean, I'll tell you right now, I would probably much better. I mean, even though she's on the complete opposite end of the spectrum to what I do physically, that marathon runner woman that we're we're referencing, I guarantee I'd rather sit down for what I find intriguing to talk about. I'd rather probably talk with her. Than a lot than the of the average person. Than the average person. Oh yeah. The psycho- even and that's, the physical pursuit is so different. The yeah. psychology would be largely the, the same. The psychology and the dedication behind it exactly. is, is the same. And that's that. you have that's the problem too. I mean, and that's you see, you know, this is one case where it, it says running versus lifting, and then you see the other ones. 
uh, they'll they'll pick out Holly Mangold or Sarah Robles, who are, who are our heavyweight Olympic lifters, and then some you know fitness model, and say Olympic weightlifting makes you look like this, whereas this type of training makes you look like this. No, I mean that's like I'm this Holly or Paula is not a runner. You know that's not what running does to you. She has taken running to its ultimate peak. You know, and you know, it's just they they always pick the they find the most extreme example and say, okay, this is what a little running can do to you. You know, here's what a little a little Olympic lifting will turn you into a 300 pound Olympian. No, right. you know, yeah, if turn you, around is fair. Why can't they take any other weight class? You know, they could have picked in, in women's weightlifting, 75k and under every weight class. They are put together better than. Most women walk in the street, by far. But of course, no. They go to the super heavyweight class, where of course it's super heavyweight. They're going to be freaking heavy, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And you know, to kind of what Lonnie was saying earlier about the Carl Sagan thing about you know moving out out of your province or whatever. There's actually one of my favorite bands, of course. Most people who know me know is Rush, Canadian progressive band. But anyway, they have a song. One of my favorite songs of of all time is one of theirs. That's called Natural Science. It's from their album permanent waves but anyway there's a line it, it talks about all this kind of and one of the lines is like living in the pools they soon forget about the sea and i mean and that kind of is what you're talking about line yeah. that whole idea that you know you you exist in your own little microcosmic kind of like you know little click and you forget that there's you know a whole big world out there and and yeah. multitudes of billions of people that Really don't give a shit that you bench press 400 pounds. Yeah, I mean, to us that makes a big difference. That's that's an important thing, and you know what? It's it's a cool thing, and it's an admirable thing, and it's 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 you know it makes you superior in some ways to other people in a physical sense. But again, in the big picture, it doesn't make a damn bit of difference because if Mother Nature decides to freaking rain down a tornado on your freaking house, and you happen to be sleeping, I mean, Wizard of Oz, you're ass to hell. I mean, you're done. You know, yeah. so you always have to yeah. kind of use that as a reference point, right? Like, it doesn't matter how much space you take up and how large of a human being you are. You, you, you know, you stand beside the smallest elephant, you still look like like nothing. Yeah, you're so you're small you know. potatoes. Yeah, exactly. So it's, everything's relative to well, everything else. I like what you else. said, Rob, uh, which is, and I don't want to beat this topic to death, but which is, I would be fascinated to talk about the psychology. I bet we would see a lot of parallels. To oh, this woman. if we sat down, she's yeah. like, oh god, I got to get up and. You know, I have to eat these carbohydrates, you know, because I'm going to burn them all away in the next two hours. My joints ache. Damn, my knees hurt. You know what I mean? Yep, and it, exactly. it'd be, it, it, there'd be so many parallels, I think we would be floored. Yep. You know, it's just on the opposite oh, yeah. end of the spectrum. Exactly, and that's why I said it, because I think it would be very interesting. And, and like I said, it's um, the, there is, I think, definitely a, a kind of staid psychology that you would find across all spectrums of elite athletes. You know, like what you're talking about. You know, not the specifics, but in general. I mean, because these are all because it, it's like the the email that I received from one of our listeners uh, last week or the week before, where he said, you know, a great part of passion is sacrifice. Right. Yeah. You know, and you you have to sacrifice. But you know, again, just to just to bring this into a broader kind of spectrum, everybody who gets anything has to sacrifice something. You know, it's like that whole thing, something for nothing. It doesn't exist. You know, exactly. um, and if it does, it's usually cheap and uh, superficial, and you know, is is easily lost, and nobody cares. So, right on. 
Okay, I'll tell you, listeners, uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, our topic today is um, judging subjectivity. Uh, I think it's true in both powerlifting and bodybuilding. We'll talk about that a little bit, um, and we'll do that right after the break. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So... Uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Hello, Iron Radio listeners. This is Dr. Lowry. I just want to offer an update on the Protein and Resistance Exercise book that you hear about in ads at the end of the show. The publisher and I realize that the textbooks have become expensive. This one's $99. So individual electronic chapters have been made available for $20. US As with Iron Radio, my primary drive here is to get valid, reliable information into the hands of fellow lifters. So if you simply Google CRC Press Protein, you'll find the page where the book is sold. By clicking on ebook purchase at the right, you'll be taken to a page with free introductory parts of the book, as well as each chapter in electronic PDF format. There's also links uh, to other sources in this version. So whether you're interested in an academic heavy hitter like Dr. Peter Lemon sharing protein's history and strength training, or you're a biochem nerd like me and you want to just look at chapter 2 on protein synthesis and breakdown, or if you want to cut to the chase and get to a chapter on using protein weight control or case studies, you can now do so for just 20 bucks. So please check out CRC Press Protein and see which chapter topic may interest you. Thanks. Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, people, we're back. This is Lonnie and Phil and Rob, and we're going to talk about today's uh, topic of the day, which is judging subjectivity. Uh, in recent episodes, we've touched on this concept of gray area lifts. Um, Phil was talking about it. We've had guests talk about it. Um, and so that's what I want to touch on. So let me throw this out to you two first. And, Rob, you could definitely talk about it from both sides. Well, I guess both of you guys can. Um, and that is, what is subjective? When the judges look at a lift, let's focus on the lifts first. 
what's possibly subjective there? What's a gray area? What's not a hard, fast, you know, measurement or number? Uh, well, they can, there can be some gray area depending on the federation and squad depth and even judge to judge. There's a lot of judge to judge variants there. Um, how so? Like more lenient, you mean, or? Oh, it depends. You know, I've seen a lot of it where they're, they're more lenient towards big names. And then, yeah. you know, less lenient towards beginners and, and things like that. Um, uh, stuff like that. I mean, there, no, there is gray area in the, um, depends on the federation. You know, it's, uh, if, if it's a federation where you have to go to parallel, well, you know, did they reach parallel? What, what's this judge's idea of parallel? Yeah. Versus that judge's idea of parallel. Right. And then how does that parallel change when, you know, this big name comes up? You know, you, you've, I've seen it, and a lot of people have seen it where, oh, good lift, and everybody's looking like, wow, man, that was three inches high. And it passed because it was, you know, I don't want to say names, it was, you know, right. Joe Big Lifter. Well, right. let's face oh, it. Oh, he must have squatted to death. Let's face it, there's a lot of federations out there where promoters um, putting on the shows, I mean, it's it's a big kind of feather in their cap to have, oh, yeah. you know, to have the new world record or something having been performed at their meet. And due to the new federations, so many federations, they they... They all want to have a thousand pound squatter, so oh, yeah. you know, yeah. they're going to pass it so they can say they have a thousand pound squatter. I, I got to see this firsthand when I was competing, and the the funny thing was, it was a lifter that was going up. I was setting the records in in one federation, and sure enough, a month later, this other guy in a different federation would be going for the same number, and I was there to witness it. And like three of the times, it was just blatant hitching. Oh, I mean, to the point where they had to turn two of them down later on because the, the videos made it to YouTube. And right. people were like, whoa. Just couldn't justify. And, yeah. yeah. But they passed. And it was like, you know, and they're passing them just to say, well, well we have a 750-pound deadlifter in that class raw. Yeah, that's and, an interesting point. So it's not uh, just about the celebrity of an individual, but it's about it be the, the notoriety of a whole of federation. federation. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, I mean, I'd say your squat is usually the worst because there's that gray area in what is depth. Um, deadlift is a little harder. I mean, it, it's 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 hard to give away a hitch because it's pretty blatant. Um, and the bench, I guess, you know, if somebody doesn't, the judges call the press command early or something like that. Or even just even just chest compression with the bar. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some federations obviously are very more, much more lenient at that. Where where some you basically can't even touch your chest. You're almost just gotta hover it. Yeah. Um, so. so okay, yeah. yeah, I mean, subjectivity is is. Gigantic. I mean, and yeah. of course, we can move on to bodybuilding. I mean, which is totally subjective. Which is totally subjective, of course. Yeah. Well, okay. Now, <laughs> here's where I want to draw some lines here, because, for example, when you talk about subjectivity and squat depth, um, it's not like somebody's out there with a goniometer measuring the degrees of knee flexion, you know, yeah. when he's in the hole, or hip flexion yeah. when he's in the hole, and. With bodybuilding, it's tr- also true that somebody's not out there with a tape measure saying, oh, look, Lonnie's arms is big- bigger than this guy's arms, you know, or but not as big as this other dude's. You know, so there's there's not that, but there is weight. They do have yeah, height and weight. You have, well, and you have, you have the constant variability of the pounds on the bar mm-hmm. in lifting. Mm-hmm. And there isn't that. And, you know, no matter what, if I'm going for a 700-pound squat and it's a record, there's got to be 700 pounds on the bar. Right. And I gotta go down with it and come up. Now, if they call me up early and they let me go with it, fine. I still had 700 freaking pounds on the board. But see, okay, There's... but then the parallel in bodybuilding is <clears throat> if I'm a light heavyweight, well, which I am, 
uh, at 5'9", I'm a light, I weigh 195 in shape. If somebody else comes along and he's 5'9", 181 in shape, those are hard numbers, baby. I'm big, beefier than he is. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. We're in comparable yeah, conditions. Yeah, but of course, yeah. Of course, we also understand in bodybuilding that, you know, the aesthetics kind of like take over from the reality of what the person might weigh. The judges, exactly. yeah, the judges don't I mean, care using, I mean, using, you know, the classic, you know, reasonably contemporary comparison of, you know, when Dorian Yates was battling out with Flex Wheeler those few, few years, and of course Dorian always came on top. But, you know, I mean, in relative terms, uh, you know, Flex Wheeler weighed marketably less than Dorian Yates. Exactly. Um, so this is where the subjectivity necessarily comes in, right? Because of course, of bodybuilding. I mean, I, I think you know this is a whole other topic that we we've, we've talked about, but the whole idea that has bodybuilding gotten away from its original kind of premise in a competitive sense that you know it's it's to try to best exemplify what is the quote unquote ideal masculine physique. You know, does that necessarily mean it's the big, the heaviest guy? Well, no, of course not, because you know. I mean, as you know, kind of alluding to what we were talking about in the last subject, you know. That's a lot less clear, though, than parallel squat. Absolutely. Well, especially when you get apple-orange comparisons like Dorian versus Flex. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a couple of other examples I can think of, too, like, um, you know, mass versus cuts versus a combination. Yeah. Uh, Like, in fact, I saw that in North Dakota uh, when I competed about a year and a half ago, uh, ago there was uh, in the Masters category, uh, not when I was doing the Open, but in the Masters, there was a guy in my, you know, in my age group who was huge. Yeah. There was a guy who was very small but shredded, and I was like halfway between those two guys. You know, I was pretty ripped at that time, but m- not as huge as the huge guy. You know, yeah. so now the judges are presented with a real quandary. Am I a mass monster? Do, do I prefer mass? Do I prefer condition? Or do I go for this sculpted kind of best overall? And yeah. there was, you know, that's why, of course, they throw out, um, like, the high and the low and that sort of thing. There is an attempt, I think, to, to quantify it fairly, but that doesn't always work, you know what I mean? Because people are going to have different, very mm. subjective preferences about what they like. Oh, yeah, and I'd, I'd argue that, you know, there's there's a very limited number of definitions of a parallel squat. There is endless individual definitions of the, you know, aesthetic male physique. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're just, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, well, of course, and there is very, there is varied as, you know, the, the heterosexual male preference for a feminine body and mm-hmm. what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. because obviously there's people out there who would think that marathon runner woman is extremely attractive. Oh yeah, just like there's men out there who, on the other opposite ends of the spectrum, like what would be normally termed morbidly obese. Yeah, right. Um, and well, all and, and all points in between. You know, as far yeah. as you know, so it's yeah, yeah. To bring this back to the lift, like in powerlifting, you know. It's a matter of degrees. You know, like I said, nobody's out there with a goniometer or looking through some yeah. kind of x-ray device at his femur and trying to see yeah. how it articulates with his tibia, you know, that sort of thing. But um, it's pretty much just in degrees of flexion at the hip yeah. and knee. And like you're saying, the human genetic variation is outrageous. The number yeah. of possible combinations of people, um, again, with the Sagan thing, but it's greater than all the people who have ever lived. It's many, many times greater than all the people who have ever lived. You're not going to see 
you know, duplication outside of identical twins, really, you know. And even then, what they do in their environment is, is going to change them. So yeah. there's just yeah. massive, massive differences. So let me ask you guys some other questions here. Um, in either sport, what would be ways to influence the subjectivity of oh, the judges yeah. then? That's easy. Go ahead. I've gotten away with one before, and I'll, I won't, I'll, I'll just lay it out there. If you get on a deadlift, if you get it just about locked out and just give that big cheesy smile and act like you're there, even though you're dying and you're not quite locked out, you can get away with it. Yeah, you know, stuff like that. Right, yeah. You know, or come up out of a squat and just rack that son of a bitch and woo! You know, start celebrating. And they're like, oh, okay, he got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay. So yeah. Things point. like that. I mean, you can. You can get away with stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's a little harder, but, uh, yeah, you can get away with it. And well, I've seen it in the squat where people, they're going down slow, 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 and they do this quick little boom, they like push down with their butt, and the judges are, like, confused from it. Well, wow, that was so fast. Did he go down? You know, did he eclipse parallel on that quick little, you know, fast little squat that was about two inches mm-hmm. towards the end? Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. Yeah. That's funny, though. Say, oh, go ahead, Rob. No, I was just going to say from a bodybuilding standpoint, certainly it's just it's just the uh, media over time, and it's a slower process of changing opinions, but, I mean, we've seen it, you know, as far as, you know, even just, just everyday mainstream people, as far as what's presented in, in, in fashion magazines and so forth, and what is the ideal, you know, from, from a Marilyn Monroe type to a Twiggy type yeah. to a, I mean, so, you know, I mean, what would be considered, you know, like, I mean, do you really think Arnold Schwarzenegger, with the body that he had in 1974, which was inarguably great for what it was at that time? Mm-hmm. I mean, would that be the ideal today? Of course not, because now we've gotten used to, over time, the media championing larger and larger quadricep development. Yeah. You know, so people today would be like, okay, he's, you know, he's he's what he is, and it's wonderful, but, you know, he the standards have changed. Our opinions mm-hmm. of what is the ideal, quote-unquote, bodybuilding physique, is now different. Um, so, you know, even you look at a lot of these guys like, you know, Tim Belknap and all those kind of guys, and Lonnie knows these kind of names, you know, with the... The big thick waist and all this kind of thing, the Jim Quins, these kinds of people. Yeah. I mean, those guys, those guys exist in a way today in some competitors, yeah. But, you know, we change our opinions because the media presents it as such, you know, like this is, this is the ideal for beauty. This is the ideal yeah. for what kind of clothes you want to wear. Well, I've, the, I've heard, you know, physique competitors, bodybuilders talk about how, you know, one year they go in and, you know, they finish second, and the judge tells them, this is why you didn't go first. So they get that, and by the next year, it's changed. Yeah, well, we're not point. looking for that anymore. Yes, right. I want to, like, I want to oh. add to that. Media, absolutely, but also, almost randomly, um, as judges make certain calls, they tend to carry through with that in some ways, or sometimes they'll change it. Like, for example, um, over the last couple of decades, if there is a trend in my mind, it's that it's toward grotesque mass to the exception of everything else almost in pros. I mean, they have to have no body fat, but with growth hormone and the kind of drugs that are available now, it's almost that's almost just a given, you yeah. know. Whereas in Arnold's day, like Rob talked about, they talk about who's in shape or who's not in shape. Although that's still true, of course. Back then I think it was a wider swing, you know, as far as because there wasn't the cellophane thin skin as much as there is so consistently now. And then with amateurs, I think Unfortunately, it's sort of the opposite, and it's how how close can you get to almost, you know, forgive the analogy, but like a prison camp, you know, emaciation kind of look, you know, to get ripped beyond belief. So 
like you're saying, Phil, yeah. you never know. I mean, at the pro level, if they start liking Dorian, you know, they might be valuing tremendous mass. And he did yeah. sort of usher in uh, a new era of mass, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. But at the amateur level, you know, there seems to have been a trend toward ridiculous shreddedness or leanness, you know, and I mentioned the North Dakota competition. That's what we saw. I mean, the guy who um, pulled ahead in that race in many ways was, you know, he was 155 pounds, as I've said in ages past on the show. So, but he was shredded. But, you know, um, back when we talk about old time guys who are a combination of powerlifting, bodybuilding or strongman or Olympic lifting, you know, some of the guys that you see on bodybuilding stages winning because they're shredded and small, they wouldn't fit that mold at all. Yeah. They don't have enough mass to even be strong. You know, <laughs> yeah. exactly. That's a good point. So, yeah. For sure, because I mean, when you think of the ideal masculine physique, you, you, you automatically your mind should go to the fact that that physique should be capable of doing something in a, and again, a masculine way as far as being strong and robust and durable. And when you look like you're saying, Lonnie, when you look at a lot of these guys, certainly in the amateur ranks, they're anything, when they stand on stage, they're anything but durable. Yeah. You know, when you're standing on stage with 3% body fat, you can, you know, and you're so high dehydrated, you're close to dying. And I mean, you're not durable at that point, and you're certainly not strong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, you're just like a walking, like, like you said, you've even used the phrase many times, a lot of those amateur shows are ab shows. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like the guy who just diets the hardest and, you know, has the least amount of body fat. Starves the most, yeah. <laughs> starves, the, starves the most, you know, and, and it seems to be that great divide by when you get to the upper national well, the- ranks and the pro ranks, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, it's not just good enough just to be extremely in shape and thin-skinned and ripped, but you actually have to have some mass as well. Yeah. And that's what I mean about that dichotomy, because the amateurs, they seem to have a slightly different, again, looking over literally two, three decades, a different trend than you see in the pros. You know, I mean, listening to people like Frank Zane, who really doesn't want to have anything to do with modern bodybuilding, as I understand mm-hmm. it, because he says, you know, it's it's not that ideal physique, it's not sculpting. Or think about Lee Labrada, another shape and posing master you know, he'd say, of course, mass is part of bodybuilding, but not to the exception of everything else. And that's exactly what's happened, I think, at the pro mm. level. They all look cookie cutter. You know, you don't see a Platts different from a Zane, different from an Arnold, yeah. different from a Menser. You can't, I can barely tell the difference because everybody's so heavily muscled. Yeah. They all look like myostatin deficient bulls to me. Yeah. And, you know, and you might think, well, that's awesome. Well, Maybe, but you know, it, there's a loss of personality then in yeah. a lot of this. And let me get to the, the influence the judges thing too. There's lots of ways bodybuilders influence judges too. I mean, there's that whole phrase about how bodybuilding is about illusion, you know. And Rob was alluding to this with the Flex Wheeler versus Dorian thing uh, and whatnot. But a lot of this is about illusion. And I mean, you could simply be extremely dark tan and look much harder. Even even if your body fat's not any different, right? If this was a very objective sport, we'd just go check your body fat. Who's the leanest? Mm-hmm. But instead, it's you know you can get very paint yourself very dark, dark with the you know dioderm or, or what have you, or just presenting yourself in a very you know Rob was talking about looking robust, even though you're not. It's how much theater, <laughs> how much of an yeah. act can you put on to look like you're a champion? You know, glowing, yeah. confident. You're looking out at the crowd. You're looking at the judges. You know, with this almost regal look, you know, and you're trying to project this. Um, you're stomping your calf with, you know, when you're hitting calf shots and that kind of stuff, or, you know, a little extra boom when you do a, a lat spread. 
that's all theater in a way. You know, and yeah. it's, it's ways to show confidence to the judges and that sort of thing. But, you know, gosh, we were just talking about genetic variation. Now you add in emotional variation, yeah. and bodybuilding starts to look like it's all over the place. Yeah. You know. yeah. Well, I think in comparison it is, really. I mean, but... Now, having said that, and I brought this up in uh, ages past, but there are lots of sports that do rely on a certain degree of subjectivity, from oh, yeah. gymnastics to diving, martial arts, you know, forms, competitions, ice skating, yeah. and, um, you know, there's tons of stuff like that. Yeah. So, Or even you think about, like, an umpire's call or a referee's call, and they have to right. go back and Anytime you know, there's a human replay. variable as a judge. Yes. Anytime a human is a judge, there's going to be some subjectivity. Right. There just yeah. is. But... Yeah. And it's just interesting to see how, you know, how the variation comes into play and how judges decide. Because ultimately, every judge has to decide. And this is my next question. Do you, are you guys aware of any training workshops or education kinds of things that powerlifting judges have to go through? Uh, or even Olympic lifting judges. Yeah. What do they have to do typically to be able to say, I'm a judge? Do you know? You have to pass a test. Usually you have to pass a test, and then you'll come in as like a... Um, You'll have a meet where you go to and you sit next to a judge. And, you know, to somebody that's already a judge, and then you'll make a call and they'll look at you, you know, they're there to, to kind of judge how you're judging type of thing. And it's ultimately their call because they're the judge, but it's kind of like your test. To see how close you can get to them. Yeah, to see how well you do. Like a criteria. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're wrong, they'll tell you why and, you know. But I'm sure that doesn't hold through all the federations. I'm sure there's federations no. that just have a judge just because he happens to be the because he happens to be. he happens to be the local powerlifting guy at that gym. For sure. Oh you yeah. Know, I mean, and, hell, and I've I've been I showed up at a couple of meets and they're like, Hey, Phil, you want to be a judge? All right. Well, right. <laughs> you know, it was my first time being in a room with that federation. Right. And uh, I've gotten that once or twice in bodybuilding too. And you know, Rob, this reminds me of what you and I heard at the professional level with fitness girls. Remember in New York City, the guy um, he said. Um, which one do you want to have sex with the most? She wins. Yeah. Something like that. Do you remember no, that's that? exactly what it was. The guy was saying, how do you judge these women? He says, basically, whoever you want to do the most is the one that you, you move them up the scale. And it's like, I mean, that's horrible. That's a horrible thing to say. But that's the, the reality of, like, you know, like we, we heard that. Yeah. And not to say that there's not a certain amount of training in some federations that, you know, the judges would have to go through. But unfortunately, yes, just like a local gym owner who's asked to be a judge same thing happens there. You know, they want to um, cater to somebody or appease them. Hey, why don't you be a judge? And this guy has no idea. And, you know, he doesn't realize this This girl has starved and dieted and done 4 a.m. cardio yeah. for six months. And yeah. he's going to he's gonna put the trophy or the, uh, the medal around the neck of the girl who cocks her ass out the most. Yeah. In fact, mm-hmm. my wife was laughing about that the last time I competed. She's like... Um, that one there, she's going to win. She was pointing it out to somebody she had just met in the audience. She's going to win. And the lady said, well, how do you know that? And, you know, they all look similar to me. She said, because she's cocking her butt out the most, um, you know, in a sexual way. And sure enough, who got the little, you know, medal around the neck? Who got the trophy? Uh, and, you know, and so, I mean, I can't imagine uh, the flippancy, right? I mean, as a competitor, that's so insulting. I mean, this is something that you invest your soul in. And... They're going to judge you on something that flippant? Oh, yeah. Man. Well, you know, I mean, it's whenever, whenever you have anything like that, specifically when you have people peeled down to minimal clothing, I mean, obviously it's much more on the female side, but still, 
even on the male side, whenever you have people that are, you know, it's there's going to be a sexual element that's going to enter into it. Well, um, you are being judged on how you look. Yeah, and to, and yeah, know, and, mean, and that you can't ignore sex appeal in that. Oh, of course, because you're gonna, you're everybody's working through their own personalized filter yeah. of what's attractive, and in and attractability is going to have something to do with a sexual component. Yeah. You know, guys, I just thought of something too. Aside from just the the Freudian outlook on all of this, um, Phil, you can certainly appreciate this. I know we're almost out of time, but art, art competitions. You know, I mean, bodybuilding. We've argued before on the show. Probably in a lot of ways, are there rules? Yes, but it really blurs the line. Is this a sport, or is it an art? You know, oh, we've talked about like bodybuilding show versus powerlifting meet. You know, powerlifting meet sounds like wrestling meet. Yeah. You know, it sounds like an athletic event to me. Yeah. No, and I, bodybuilding I'd say show, art is... but think, think, think about the subjectivity in art competition. That's oh. another analogy, I think. Oh, hugely, and I think it's very parallel. You know, I, I showed in, and I my school was right in the midst of the New York art world, and it was amazing what was in in New York from week to week. Even you had no clue what the hell they wanted, and it was just somebody. The minute a name said that you were it, you were it. You know, that's all it took. So, well, uh, yeah, and, and I mean, you can even say the same thing. And I, I mean, people who know me know I've kind of decried the wonderfulness of the thespian arts acting. Um, but at some point with that, too, you got to, like, you know, like, oh, this Jennifer Lawrence, like, you know, that young actress that was in the Hunger Games or whatever, you know, she's mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, she's such a wonderful actress. And I'm thinking, no, I'm no professional for thespian arts. I, I don't really, you know, but but I'm thinking to myself, well, what what makes her so much better than this other woman, you know, right. or this Acting other girl? Is another good one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but you know, you can say the same thing with music, right? Like, I mean, yeah. this, this band is so great. This band sucks, you know. But yeah. meanwhile, for somebody else, it's the complete opposite. Yeah. Who's right? Who's wrong? Well, exactly. You know, it's a negative on both sides. I mean. The world's just like that. And I think that's a good way to kind of close the show, kind of, kind of, cause it brings us full circle to what I was bringing up earlier. Um, not to be conceited with that, but the whole idea of where we have, you know, we're getting more and more of it as a, certainly in the first world, um, sense, going towards this trend with people thinking that, you know, they're the ones with the shit that don't stink and, you know, yeah. their opinions are the only ones that matter and their opinions are a fact. Exactly. Rob, yeah. if I can add to that. And, I mean, what have we tried to do from the beginning, which is, Say, listen, if you, if you're strong, you should also look muscular, you know, on some level. You should be able to see a lot of muscle mass. Or, you know, bodybuilders should also exhibit strength. You know, it, again, with that old school, you could call it old school, but it's, it kind of covers the weaknesses on any one side. You know, it's not pure performance. It's not just muscle mass. Cause let's face it, everybody wants to look good to some extent, I would think, you know. Um, but being able to have that sort of well-rounded, I'm big, I'm also strong. You know, I'm reasonably muscular. You know, that sort of combination of qualities, uh, you know, that's very cool. And that's something I think that we've lost as we've specialized so far. Well, yeah, because even when you're talking about super, super heavyweight powerlifters, I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, I think it would be rare to find an individual who is that in that category who would be like, yeah, I don't care if anybody doesn't know that I lift. I mean, you yeah. don't oh, want yeah, to. But you, yeah. if you're 380 pounds, you don't want to look just like nothing. But the fact no is, guy. though, that if you're actually at a high level and a heavyweight, you're gonna, you're just gonna look like you left. Right. Yes. Because you're gonna be a super heavyweight. You're gonna be pulling at least 800. 
And you're going to have You're going to be squatting 800. Structure. You're going to be, yeah. Yes. You know, if you're, if you're squatting 800, pull, deadlifting 800 and benching over five, you're going to look like you lift. I don't care how much. And like, like Rob said, that takes it, you know, <laughs> this takes it all back full circle, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I think it's sort of, uh, you know, take what's best in all things and appreciate the sacrifice and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, this, and this, this whole, the topics that we've been kind of broaching today, they, they, they invite certainly a lot of different opinion because that's what we're talking about. So, as I always say to our listeners out there, feel free to write us letters, emails. Yeah. You know, tell us what you think on these kind of topics, you know, and, because and some of the more part, you know, some of the more kind of maybe the, you know, uh, interesting, Opinions, but no matter what they are, maybe we'll read some of them next week on the on uh, online. There you uh, go. Yes, mm-hmm. it is because it's, we certainly would like to hear whatever people think. Because because again, I mean, the three of us are you know while we're kind of bullheaded and kind of you know <laughs> alpha male, we still we still recognize the whole concept of that. You know, I mean, we have opinions and we are strong yeah. in our opinions, but our opinions yeah. are not the only ones out there, and they're certainly not better than anybody else's. So, if anybody has anything to add to any of this or any p- points that you think is might be worth bring, bringing up. Um, send, send in your emails to us. Yeah. Uh, Sounds good. Until right, next week, folks. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the iradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state of the art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here. I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.